You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert. And I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships. Take your calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And I'm very, very, very excited about the show this week because... You know, in the course of the time that I've been doing the show, which has been almost four and a half years, and even before that, I've always been interested in the topic of love, dating, and relationships. So I've read a lot of books. I don't know how many, but a lot. (laughs) And, you know, I thought I knew almost everything I needed to know. You know, you never know everything, but almost. And once in a while, a book comes along that really puts things in perspective and gives a new viewpoint on how to look at the whole dating landscape because I know that a lot of people out there are frustrated and irritated and impatient with the whole process of dating and some are ready to give up. So this is going to come as a great help to everybody who is sick of dating. (laughs) Uh, The book has a great title. It's something that I've thought often. I haven't said it, but I've thought it. It's called, We Could Have Had a Great Date If It Weren't For You. But because of you, we had to have a bad date. No. So it's just the first part. <laughs> we could have had a great date if it weren't for you. The website is therelationshipdoctor.net. And the author is Dr. Bruce Derman. I've had, um, he's a clinical psychologist. I've had a lot of psychologists and um, psychiatrists on the show. But I think that he really knows what, um, what this is about. And I think I've lost him. Oh. <gasps> Oh, no, where'd he go? We'll bring him back. Hello? I think I hung up on you. Oh, okay. Okay, we are on the air now. Um, So how rude of me to hang up on you. Okay. (laughs) So, So Dr. Bruce German is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice for over 42 years in Woodland Hills and Santa Monica, California. He specializes in working with people in all stages of relationships and is a trainer, mediator, and divorce coach for the Coalition of Collaborative Divorce. So welcome to the show. Hi there. Hey. So um, let's see. Um, Yeah, so as I was saying, I don't know if you heard, you know, this book really clarifies how to date in an effective way that will lead to happier relationships no matter how long they last. So what is the problem with the way that most people approach dating these days? Well, I'm trying to create a whole new perspective and a whole new attitude in dating. All the books out there are just to help you find the one. That's all they seem to do. You know, if you do this, you can find the one. If you look over here, you can find the one. I wasn't interested in that. 
I'm interested in changing the whole attitude of dating because most people regard dating as an ordeal. Right. And the way to do that is you've got to get beyond this conditioned thinking that we have, that things are good and bad, that there's right and wrong, and that there's success and failure. Right. In fact, um, you talk about um, you have some factors that lead to this you know, dating ordeal that you just mentioned. So I'm going to go through some of these. So in the uh, part where you talk about the integrity of dating, you say that uh, the chances are that 6% of the time that one of you will reject the, uh, the other by the end of the first date. Uh-oh, so how does that work? Well, dating is rejection, judgment, and rejection. And most people who consider an ordeal, they don't accept that. When you go to meet someone, <laughs> the nature of dating is they're judging you from the moment they see you, the moment you open the door, the moment you call them, the judgments are flying back and forth. They just don't share it with you. And so that's going on all the time. And so to me, the thing is how to get beyond that, and that is to change and develop a whole new attitude of dating. And one factor is to accept that it is about rejection and judgment and stop fighting it. Right. Just know it's going to happen. It, it probably is going to happen. So don't uh, don't take it, I guess, personally, because people take it as a personal attack on their self-esteem. Oh, absolutely. And in one point in my book, I even say, what if you went on a date and were open about the rejection up front, saying to the other person, you know we're probably going to reject each other, so why don't you tell me how you're going to reject me, and I'll tell you how I'm going to reject you. <laughs> then you can have a, a real laugh about it instead of treating it as the enemy. Right. Yeah, so being a lot more open. Although I think if you said that, your date might, you know, <laughs> who knows how he might react. You have to be somewhat graceful about it, but if you say to her, you, do you realize that we're probably going to reject each other? And if she's an honest person, she'll admit it. Well, yes, that probably will happen. Right. If she's in total fantasy and thinks <laughs> just because you go on a date that that's, uh, you're walking down the altar, then that's a different story. Right. Okay, so then another factor is only valuing a relationship with the one. And as you mentioned, that's something that gets everybody in trouble. Yes, and it's being seduced by that because all of the dating books, as I said, are focused totally on finding the one. And what it hit me is not everybody's ready for the one. So it's a ridiculous thing to just emphasize one kind of dating. I wanted to spread dating... So it involves everybody at all stages of life. And so um, my object is not to find a particular relationship such as finding the one or even a long-term committed relationship, but to find the kind of dating plan that you're ready for and that you can support emotionally and behaviorally. So there's no wrong dating things. Right. This is a no, uh, I transcend the whole thing that there's, uh, a wrong date. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we're going to talk about some of those dating plans later on. Um, <laughs> so another factor is being seduced by dating myths. And you say there's that, that one of the myths is, of course, there's one great love waiting for you, and you need to find them, but the problem is your choice at 20 may not be your choice at 40. Right. We have all kinds of dating myths like that. Um and I try to get people away from the myths. This is a very accountable approach. 
There's no victims in this approach. So even to the point one of my dating plans is dating nobody. Mm-hmm. No dating, no, no dating book will accept that. That's, that's something bad. You're a loser. But in my dating plan, in my focus, in my philosophy, that deserves respect because I meet people who they're not ready to date. Let's say they're coming out of a very difficult marriage. The tendency is let's go running right back into dating rather than give yourself some space and recognize I'm not ready to date yet. I got to digest what happened. Right, and that's also a sign of maturity, knowing that you're not ready to date and not doing it instead of uh, looking to someone else to fill your, uh, you know, to give fill that void that's there at the moment. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's also you in this section you mentioned that some therapists <laughs> suggest that you it's actually good to have four marriages for four different stages of life. I thought that was interesting. Yes, there is a, a particular. Uh, I don't know if it's a book, uh, someone I came across who recommended that there be four marriages. The first marriage is getting to be with another person and recognizing what it's like to share and deal with needs and make agreements. The second marriage is to raise children. The third is to fulfill all the things that you didn't feel you fulfilled in your life. And the last is to sort of relax and go through the end of your life with. Now, not everybody can go through all four, and you need to recognize that. So with a lot of couples, after they've done the second marriage of raising children, and now they're ready to go on for an adventure, they recognize the partner they're with cannot go there with them. They just don't have the capacity, and they need a different person. Yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting theory. I think it might become more acceptable in the future because, you know, I've never been married, and... um, I mean, I keep changing who I am, and the people that I'm choosing to date today are not the same people I would have chosen, like, even a year ago. So I keep saying, oh, it's a good thing I didn't get married. I'd be divorced. It's a good thing. It's like, when am I going to stop changing so much? Um, So it's always fascinating to me that people can stay married for 30, 40, 50 years. Oh, sure. And, like, for me, I was a lot of my early dating was dating little girls. And... Then I got realizing that I'm not going to have what I want if I keep dating little girls. And now I'm in relationship and marriage with a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's a world of difference. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and these four different dating situations, I don't even necessarily think it has to be four marriages. I mean, the first you can have like a long-term relationship where you learn to be with someone. Then if you want children, you can get married. Then if you want an adventure, you can sure. just date someone. And then if you want companionship at the end of your life, you can again just date and not be married. Absolutely. Yeah, because since marriage is such a loaded word. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it takes on quite a weight, especially today in our society. Right, right. Um, Okay, so something that you mentioned, not I don't know if it's in the book, but I know it's in the interview I heard earlier that I was telling you about, and you said that only equals can be intimate. So what do you mean by that? We like to... We like to play what I call the difference game in thinking that one person is better than the other. And so you'll find people, I have many clients, they'll swear that they are the essence of intimacy, like they discovered intimacy, mm-hmm. and it's just an accident that they ended up with this emotional cripple that they're married to. To me, that's a joke. There's no accountability in that. 
you, in my philosophy, you can only be with your match. So whatever level of development you are, I'm not saying equal that you both play tennis necessarily. I'm talking emotional development. So whatever on a 10 scale emotional development that you are, let's say you're a 5. Well, in my book, you can only be with a 5. Because the idea that you were a five and you could be with a ten is ridiculous. What in the world, if someone was at that level of emotional development, a ten, what would they be doing with you? Mm-hmm. It's not charity work. <laughs> they would have no interest in you. Okay. Wow. So that, wow, I just thought of a question now. So I don't know if you know that I specialize in cougar relationships. Cougar relationships. Yeah. You know, with the older woman and the younger men. And, okay. and, and people always say, okay, you know, what do the older women see in the younger men? What do the younger men see in the older women? So then going by that theory, so are you saying that then a, a woman who prefers much younger men and vice versa, is it, then she's emotionally stunted? I'm not using the word stunted. Okay. That would be a judgmental thing. Okay. I'm saying that whatever her emotional development is, that would fit within that relationship of, let's say, being with an older or a younger person. So that there's older people at different emotional development. So whatever person you choose to do that particular form is going to match you in terms of how comfortable they are with fear, what their love capacity is. You're going to match. It doesn't matter whether you do older or younger. I'm talking about where your emotional development is. All right, got it. So then that means that the guy, if he's, even though he's younger, he might still be at a high emotional development, and then the woman matches him. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we, uh, we'd all be in trouble. All the cougars would be in trouble. We'd all be emotionally, uh, you know. <laughs> um, okay, that's good to know. So, all right, then you also said <laughs> something very interesting. You said your lover is not lost. You are, and if I can read something from... What you said about that, you said, uh, what, if the, uh, what if the lover you want is not missing and is just waiting for you to be ready? Yet your energy has much more to do with the kind of person that you are with than... Yet your energy, I forgot how to read, <laughs> has much more to do with the kind of person you are with than some idea you have about who that person should be. Right. A lot of us do not take, like to take accountability. So we are part of the seeking school of, of dating, that's what I call it, where your lover is lost and you've got to go find them. Uh, I cut through that and I say that your lover is not lost, you are. And you've got to develop. If you want a different kind of relationship and you want to meet a certain guy, then you've got to develop yourself so that you send out a particular focused energy that supports that. But the idea that you can be um, some little girl and that you're going to attract a man and find a man, that uh, doesn't make any sense in my system. So I like the accountability that it, it's, it's on your thing. Remember, I said there's no victims in this approach. Mm-hmm. The people in the seeking school of dating, they're constantly coming to me as victims. All the men in L.A. are superficial. All the women here are princesses. They make up all these things. All the good ones are taken. I'm sure you've heard this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they use that to, vi- then they become victims of that particular perspective. And my thing cuts through that. 
as well as I have several things I'm sure you saw in the book uh, that all relationships are successful in my philosophy. Uh, I put out a blog recently on Psychology and Network, and I'm watching the people struggle with it. They cannot accept mm-hmm. my philosophy that all relationships are successful. Mm-hmm. They have to think some relationships are bad and some are good. I don't hold to that. So that, let's say, a three-month relationship, which is very popular among daters, seeing someone for three months, and then most people would regard that as a failure. In my system, it's not a failure. It's a successful three-month relationship. And I support my people who, who that fits for to celebrate it and to go into the thing. I do three-month relationships. We're now 30 days in. You have 60 days left before <laughs> I kill you. So accept it. That's um, how it's going to go. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you because even if it didn't, you know, quote unquote last, whatever that's supposed to mean, I think everyone teaches you something and everyone has a message that you can take away from the relationship. There's that, but I'm saying the relationship is successful in its own right, that there's nothing that's, the only reason that we have an idea that something is uh, not successful is because we compare it to what it isn't. So a three-month relationship is constantly being compared to a long-term relationship. Right. Well, I feel that's an injustice. A three-month relationship is a three-month relationship. A long-term is a long-term. You need to respect each relationship for its own integrity. But our thinking is so strong, our conditioning of this bad and good, right and wrong. Uh, one of the more popular things in the dating world is that why do I keep meeting wrong people? Mm-hmm. But my system, there is no wrong people. Whoever you meet, that's what you're ready for. But that's a lot more accountability than most people like. Yeah, but if they look at it the other way and the fact that, hey, since you're accountable, then you hold all the power, therefore you can change it when you want to. That's the idea. Right, because otherwise if it's someone else's fault out there, then you're just floating around here hoping not to get caught up with the wrong person. Another one, a part of my philosophy that I've seen no, not written anywhere, and no one, very few people agree with me that there are no bad dates, because that's a very popular thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, another bad date, <laughs> and I take it there's no bad dates; it's just experiences. Right. And so, whoever you meet, whatever their behavior they're doing, if you can just appreciate what they do, then I show in my book ways that you can. Enjoy enjoy that particular experience. I think one of the examples was you, uh, a woman goes out on a date and this guy's bragging about all the women in, in, in town that he has slept with. Now usually that's automatically considered a bad date. But in my world, I teach the people, my people, how to approach that. So we can approach it by questions like, uh, have you really told me all the men, all the women that you've slept with? And which has been the most impressive uh, uh, sexual experience you've had? Well, the guy isn't ready for those kind of questions. He'll stop his behavior very quickly if you do that. That sounds like something I would do, actually, because, you know, when I've been on a date and I, and I know, okay, you know, I don't want to see this person again, then because of what I do, I'm like, I just decided to turn it into research. And, uh-huh. and I start asking questions like that. That's great. <laughs> you know, why, why lose out on a source of information? Um, so, you know, in keeping with this 
theory about you know you 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 get the relationship you're ready for regardless of what you want. You tell the story of Randy in your book if you remember that. Can you briefly go through the story? Um, not sure. You forgot. He was dating like five or six women, and um, you know, but he wasn't really happy with any of them. So then you told them it's like you need to change. You know, you, you said she's out there, but you know she's not going to come in until you're ready. And so he yeah. changed. So what did he do to change his behavior? And then he said that within the month he met her at hitting in the garage of his building. Yes, I try to get whoever, whatever they say they're doing, I, I coach all my people that there's rules to each kind of dating. So if you want a committed, intimate relationship, you have to be willing to follow the rules that go with that. So I instructed him to follow and be true to what, what that's going to ask more. And if they sort of play around with it, like I had one woman who said, I want a committed, intimate relationship. I say, fine. I said, how do you feel about sadness? She says, I don't like sadness. <laughs> I told her to forget it. <laughs> uh, she doesn't meet the rules. Wow. I don't make the rules up. Each dating plan makes the rules up. So if you want uh, a relationship where, um, uh, what was I going to say, where the, uh, you want a lot of excitement, mm -hmm. but you want safety, date married men. You can have total safety. Of course, the relationship's going nowhere. Right. It's just going to stay. It has built-in boundaries. And you can be turned on and feel you have the greatest love in the world uh -oh. and moan and groan about it <laughs> and all kinds of stuff and tell all your friends, if only he would leave his wife, right. we could have the relationship of dreams. And I help the people to see, no, that's not the rules here. Um, okay. You've well, seen it all. What if someone wants both safety and excitement, but they don't want to date married men? Safety and excitement. Um, possible? Well, there's the extended relationship that I talk about. That's where you're with someone for two or three years, and there's a certain level of excitement in that, that you're with uh, someone that you really care about. But it's very clear that this person is not someone you're going to marry. So after two, three years, it's going to end. So you have a built-in safety thing. Got it. And and so uh, referring to the first woman you mentioned, so why does one need to be um, comfortable with sadness in order to be in a long-term committed relationship? Well, long-term committed relationship is what I call the great humbler. It's going to expose every single part of you. So if you mm -hmm. want to hide different parts of you, mm -hmm go to another relationship, the committed intimate relationship where you're sharing a thousand different things, you're raising children, you've got to deal with all kinds of issues, you go to bed at night, you get up in the morning, if you don't want exposure and if you don't want to experience different things, you're in the wrong place. Well, sadness is one of the things you're going to be experiencing. So if that's, you're not comfortable feeling sadness, it's not going to be one long joy. You're going to go through ups and downs. And when you go through the downs, you're going to be experiencing sadness. But that's part of the relationship. It's not a mistake. It goes with that, the integrity of that relationship. Right. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, what about, like, you know, people, as you said, you know, they're looking for the one, and they, you know, they go on a date, but as soon as they think that's not the one, he's not the one, she's not the one, then it's like, 
that's it. It's like they only want to date the one or no one else. What what do you think about that? Uh, that they're only that they want a committed intimate relationship. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, I help them to stay true to that. Uh, and if they're really true for it, they're not going to go on multiple, so many dates. Because they're going to know very quickly by, by different people they meet that mm-hmm. this is not someone that they're going to have that kind of uh, journey with. So you don't even go on it. If I see someone who's dating all over the place, like they're going six dates a week, let's say, mm-hmm. and rejecting each one is not the one, I get suspicious. Uh, I ask, what are you doing? You're uh, pissing a lot of sexual energy away by going out with so many dates. I'm not trusting that you really want to commit an intimate relationship. Mm. You're just fooling yourself. Um, do you think when someone is serious about wanting a relationship that they um, they kind of... Which kind of relationship? Uh, when they, what they, they want a long-term committed relationship? Yeah, go ahead. Um, that they, it's like when I finally decided, well, I thought I wanted one until I read your book. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's good. I'm glad I read it because I, I, I'm apparently not because I'm more in my priorities, more work now than anything else. Uh, but I think I'm that's, just once. That's one of the things I talk about. What are your priorities? Yeah. I think I'm once a step removed from that. So whichever relationship that would be. Um, okay. So you were saying? Uh, yeah, so I was saying, so once I thought I wanted a long-term committed relationship, I uh, I just, you know, I cut out, like, ev- all distractions, and I, you know, started, you know, getting rid of things that I think wouldn't be conducive in my life if I were to have someone in my life, and just dating a lot less, and just being focused on, on work, and thinking, okay, when he comes, he comes, and I'll have been ready, you know, busy with my career, building something, and then I'll have something for the both of us. So do you find if when people really are serious about wanting the long-term committed relationship, that's what they do instead of, you know, running around all over town, like you said, they kind of go into themselves? and right. Because to be open to a long-term committed relationship, you need high trust. And it sounds like you're trusting more, if, if I'm understanding you right. And if you want a long-term committed relationship... You have to be very comfortable with trusting, because if you're leading with distrust, you're not going to connect with a long-term partner. You're leading with distrust. You're going to push people away. That's all you're going to do. So trust is very important here in that particular relationship. Yeah. There's other different dating things that you don't need high-level trust. With trust, because that's just, that's such a big issue with people. I mean, what's your philosophy? Is is your do you think it's best to just naturally trust people until they give you reason not to, or to not trust people until they prove themselves? Well, I don't come from that perspective. Okay. Where I'm coming from is, first, I help the person reveal what their dating plan is. So if their dating plan is, um, they just like, like one of the dating plans is high drama. If that's what they want, they don't... Distrust is fine mm-hmm. because I can get much more drama out of distrust than I can out of trust. Right. So I'll support them. You can keep distrusting all you want. You're right on schedule <laughs> for the drama plan, but don't tell me about a committed intimate relationship. You're not on that path. So I really hold the people I work with 
that their behavior has to match their words. And so many of the, the daters I work with, their behavior doesn't come close to their words. Not even close. Right, right. I, I totally agree with you. You also talk about a love capacity. What is that? Uh, to think that each person is has the same love capacity to me is is farcical. Mm-hmm. Each person, based on what I said, is that they have different levels of emotional development. So if you have high fear and you can't stand your fear, your capacity to let someone love you and take you to unknown and new places is not going to be high. A high love capacity, you've got to be really open and receptive to what's occurring in the relationship. You've got to be willing to experience powerlessness, insecurity, disappointment. Uh, you have to be receptive to all these things, and that will determine your love capacity. So, again, as I said, some people come to me and they say they want uh, the one, but their love capacity is uh, like 10%. Mm. Where, so they're not ready for that. Where does powerlessness enter the picture when it comes to talking about love? Well, uh, in any, especially uh, any committed relationship, you're exposed to powerless all the time. It's part of life. You're going to be with your partner, and there's going to be times where you're not feeling like you can make an impact. You don't feel like she's hearing your voice and there's room for you, and you're going to feel powerless. Now, to some people, uh, a little boy... If that happens and he experiences powerlessness, he'll freak out and he'll just come down on the woman and bombard her and criticize her and try to dominate her so he doesn't have to feel his own powerlessness. Mm. Of course, uh, in, my, in my first book, uh, We'd Have a Great Relationship if it weren't for you, uh, the acceptance of the unacceptable is very important. And powerlessness is one of the biggest uh, things that in our lives we do not accept. And if you want to grow as a person, you need to learn to uh, accept that along with disappointment, as well as the theme of my third book, The Whole, and that's emptiness. If you can accept those three, you're ready for a lot more relationship. And I think that also defines the definition of a man, a, what a man is opposed to a boy and what a woman is opposed to a girl. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Right. You have to be comfortable with those emotions. Um, a man is open to all that he is. A little boy only selected images. Right. And I think that, you know, if you, if you feel powerless, instead of, you know, running away from it, I think if you're mature, you use that to give you... Um, energy to be better or do better. Don't do you agree? You enrich the relationship. Right. You've widened what can, in the home that you're going to live with with your partner, you've widened the, the home that you're living in. Because uh, one of the things I work with people is in terms of which house fits you. A lot of people live in houses that are too big for them. Some live in houses that are too small. My whole philosophy, including uh, in the dating philosophy, is to find the house that fits you. Not too big, not too small. Right, right. So, so that's, that's what you mean then when you say the more willing you are to let yourself be scared, the better your chances of getting the relationship you want? 
if you if you're wanting a committed and intimate relationship, there's a lot of relationships where you don't have to be scared. Right, that's true. So if you're in a three month, if you uh, the thing I said before about three month relationships, well, by the time uh, uh, in the first month it's you know all rosy and stuff. By the second month, it's already plateauing, and so because three month people don't like messy. They don't like scary. They don't like conflict. They don't want to deal with stuff. Uh, they don't want to face their fears. So they plateau, and then the last month they're terminating. So they skip by uh, the whole fear thing. So each thing, as I said, each dating thing that you select has different demands. Right. Okay, in fact, so let's go through some of these dating plans that we keep talking about but never discussing. So you already mentioned the extended relationship. That's the one for two or three years. What is yes. the I'm a seeker? I'm a seeker? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we live in a culture that supports seeking. It's always, we're always futurizing, and you've got to find. And this is what all these books feed on, Come read our book and we'll help you find the one. So they're constantly seeking in all their energy. So instead of them standing in line with gravity, they're always leaning. And the only person they can match up with is what I call a sort. A sort is always withdrawing. So we have one person always moving forward and we have another person always moving back. But they're a match. They fit together. Mm-hmm. And they work out that's their particular dance. So they'll constantly be, one will move toward the other, and then sometimes the seeker will get dissatisfied and back up a bit, and then the sort will make a change for the moment. As soon as the sort recognizes that the person is back seeking them again, they'll just back up again. And that's the called the two-step, the seeker and the sought. Right. I think that happens a lot. And how is that that different then for the other dating plan, uh, I'm available to the unavailable? Uh, There's definite similarities. Um, And and the unavailable one, I made that a separate category where they select someone... um, uh, you fall in love with uh, someone who's out of town uh, and uh, has no interest in really uh, forming a relationship, and you make a big deal out of that relationship. Mm. A lot of my dating people get ahead of themselves, way ahead of themselves. So they'll come to me after uh, you've had two dates and they're talking about being exclusive. So what are you doing? You barely know his name. And you're going to be exclusive with him? Right. You don't, you don't know anything about him. Well, he told me he has done a na That's nothing. Do you know what he's afraid of? Oh, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> That's a great question to ask on a date. I think I'm going to be asking that next time. Mm-hmm. What scares you? Um, Okay, so then how does, you know, there's there's 15 dating plans. We're not going to discuss all of them, obviously. Uh, so how does someone figure out which plan is right for them? Okay. Um, you got to look at your track record. Mm-hmm. 
Everyone has a track record. So that's a big clue to where, where you're at. Now, because a lot of people don't like accountability, they like to think their track record is like has nothing to do with them. But if you've had a pattern where um, you, uh, let's say, have a track record where you're always uh, ending up with alcoholics or drug addicts, well, that's, that's your track record. And that would mean that you would be in line with the rescuer kind of thing who always has to find a cripple so you can feel needed. So that's one way. Another way of knowing is what are your priorities? Uh, so if your work is your major thing, you need to know that, that you're not that available. You, you may be available for very brief relationships, but you're not that available to make the commitment. So you need to know what your priorities are at this point in your life. Now, that can change, but I'm only talking about in the given time. Then once you realize that, you really need to own your choice. So if you're only into brief dating, you need to own it. I'm only into brief dating. And not because we love to camouflage and disguise and, and hedge. So we'll say, well, um, I'm doing brief dating because I haven't met the right one. We love that kind of speech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're doing brief dating because you do brief dating. That's what you do when you need to own it. Um uh, then another thing is the love capacity that I mentioned. Where are you in terms of fear? Where are you in terms of being receptive to the unknown? That will define your love capacity. Um, also very important, this whole thing of red flags. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that. Of course. And, uh, but most people talk about specific things being red flags. In my system... It's only a red flag for your particular dating thing. Right. So uh, I had one woman, she was in love with a guy on death row. Mm -hmm. Now, people would say, well, that's a definite red flag, <laughs> but not for her. Right, right. It fit her dating plan. Right, right, unavailable. <laughs> she didn't have, well, in some sense, but she always knew where he was. <laughs> um Another change. thing is to pay attention. Are you saying one thing and doing another? Mm. Uh, because a lot of people, a lot of people I meet in dating are doing that. And most of them are wanting more than what their behavior says they're ready for. Mm. Um, and it's, if you want to make a change, let's say you have a particular dating plan and you say, well, I want a different one. But there are rules for that also. You don't just get a different one. If you're ready, if you're still in a reactive place, you know, like coming from, well, I can't stand the plan I'm on. Well, that would tell me that you never really owned it. So that you're not ready to make a change. If you're going to make a change, it needs to be that I have now grown and I'm bigger than the dating plan I've been doing, and so I'm ready for something different and I can walk toward the new dating plan, not run. Mm. I don't trust runners. Right. Uh, if you're ready to walk there, then I'll trust that maybe you're ready for a change. And sometimes with my clients, I'll say, okay, so you're saying this, so I'll support you in this, but I'm telling you, the moment I see you violate what the plan is asking for, I'm, I'm going to be suspicious of you. <laughs> I'm going to stick you back in the other dating plan. <laughs> I'm just going to recognize you're still back there.
Right. Okay, so we have uh, just a few, well, 10 minutes left. So let's talk about sex, everyone's favorite topic, usually. Um, <laughs> so you ask um, some great questions, great way to look at sex. This really changed the way, you know, I'm going to tell people how to handle sex in their lives. Um, and so you say, you have to ask yourself, do all parts of me want sex? That's I love that. So can you explain that? Well, I look at people as being four bodies. You have a mental body, those are your thoughts, an emotional body, that's your feelings, your physical body, that's your energy, and your spiritual body, which has to do with your higher purpose. So if you're going to have sex with someone, I ask you to ask, do all four bodies want sex with that person? Because it could be that just your physical body wants to have sex with that person. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you need to recognize that it's just your physical body. Now, if you want more involvement, then if you're just coming from your physical body, that's not going to work. If you want a committed, intimate relationship, uh, and that's the kind of sex you want that supports that, then you you need to feel with this particular partner, I have a yes from all four bodies. Otherwise, uh, like uh, one of the dating plans is, um, what do I call it? Uh, it's time I got married plan. Mm. So if that's your thing and you're having sex with that person, usually that's coming from your mental body. I've decided I'm age 38, I should be married. This guy, I don't feel emotionally strong about him, but he's dependable, he seems reliable. I think it'd be good to raise my children. I will go ahead and uh, and have sex with him and be involved with him. After a period of time, the emotional body, which wasn't part of the decision in the first place, mm-hmm. is screaming and mm-hmm. yelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am so bored in this relationship, I can't believe it. Sex with him, I can't even stand him near me. I don't even want him to touch me. Right. So... Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah, or it also works the other way when you are looking for something deeper and you physically you want to have sex, but em- uh, emotionally you you're, you don't because you're not there yet. And that's, I guess, where that empty feeling comes from when you have sex with someone and then you feel empty. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And then you also ask, you say, what am I having sex for? So what does that mean? I love that question. That <laughs> such Which a great question. and. And I see so many, especially my female clients, it doesn't occur to them to ask that question. Yeah. So some guy wants to have sex with them, and they're contemplating, okay, do I want to, right. do I want sex with him? Don't right. I want sex with him? <laughs> and and they're debating this, and then they get on defensive, and the guy lays some number on their head, you know, it'll really be good. And so I really support my, especially my female clients, what do you want to have sex for? Right. What, what is the purpose of this? And you can really use this as a great screening device for the women to um, screen out the men who are just little boys. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask that question of a little boy mm-hmm. who's coming towards you, mm-hmm. um, what do you want to have sex for? Mm-hmm. He won't know what to do with it. It'll, he'll get dumbfounded by it. He'll get defensive. So you've at least learned from asking that question that he's just a little boy. And so if you're going to have sex, you realize you're having sex with a little boy. 
Mm. Not a man. Mm-hmm. What would a man's response to that be? He would just answer the question. He would say, okay, uh, if we have sex, this is where I see it going, and this is the purpose of it, and uh, possibly I want to develop uh, a deeper relationship with you, and, and this is part of me developing a deeper relationship. Whereas little... He won't get defensive at all. He'll, in fact, he'll welcome it. Jeez, I've never been asked that, but I really like that, because he'll know it's coming from a woman. Right. As opposed to a little boy, what kind of things might he say? Something like, well, because I'm excited, because you've turned me on? He'll brag about his sexual prowess, Mm -hmm. you know, and say, well, it'll be a sexual experience like you've never had. If you hear that, run. Right. That's usually when, yeah, when you've never had and never want to repeat. (laughs) 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 It's the ones that talk about it that aren't about it. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, so in this chapter on sex, you also said, and I quote, uh, while many people may suppose that the issue of consequences only relates to women, the same problem confronts men. Why else would many men slide away after engaging sexually if they are so comfortable in this area? So what do you mean by that? Where the men slide away? Read more what I I said. the, the question of supporting sexual involvement breaks down this way. Can I move ahead sexually regardless of what might happen? Uh, well, a number of my male clients will get involved with women sexually prematurely with some horrendous consequences. Uh, where the woman gets pregnant, where now they're involved in some uh, high emotional thing that they had no idea about. Uh, so I really stress that sex is not just a, a little event, and you need to know the consequences. If you have sex with this woman, what's going to be happening? And you need to ask the questions, not just lead with the penis. Right. Um, so then, you know, because I always get asked the question, I'm sure you do too, you know, especially from women, they usually say, okay, well, when should I have sex with a new guy? So I guess now the answer would be it depends what relationship dating plan you're in. What dating plan you're in and what you're ready for. What, what are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, what I ask some of my female clients is, okay, so imagine you've had sex with him and now the relationship ends in a few weeks after that. How are you going to be? And with a lot of them, well, I don't know then. <laughs> well, then you're not ready. Mm. Or, or I'll, I'll invite them to ask the man questions about his desire to have sex with them. And sometimes they'll say to me, well, I don't know if I can ask those questions. I say, so let me understand this. You're going to have intercourse with a man who you don't think can handle your questions. How does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I mean, you should be. Able, you can't be intimate if you can't ask anything and everything. That's right. In my book. Well, in my book too. The book I don't have. <laughs> okay, cooler. Uh huh. Um, okay, wonderful. Uh, well, this has been very enlightening and eye-opening. Uh, I think it's a great book. We could have had a great date if it weren't for you. The guide to authentic authentic dating. If people, you know, if they look in the dating plans, they're really, I think, going to change the way they date and hopefully things will be a lot easier they can look up my book on my website therelationshipdoctor.net right and and what do you offer on there besides obviously your books 
Well, it describes my philosophy and uh, descriptions of all my books and uh, and where I come from in dealing with relationships of all stages. And a lot of my articles are on there. Right. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on. I really enjoyed your book. And um, Okay. Thank you for having me. Talk to you. Okay. For God, everybody. All right. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so that was um, an earful. I don't know what to call it. That was a 50-minute full. <laughs> Not quite 50 minutes, almost. Um, yeah, I was so happy to find this book and really got into it. Um, I highly recommend it because um, it's really going to change the way you look at things. And um, again, it's called We Could Have Had a Great Date If It Weren't For You. Uh, so before I go, I just wanted to remind you that my website is theartoflove.net, where you can sign up for my newsletter, uh, see the latest news, what's happening with me. I have videos on there, articles, the blog, etc., etc. There's lots going on. Keeps me busy. Me and my webmaster busy. Um, my book, Lucia's Lessons of Love, is at lessonsoflove.net, and you can get a free excerpt on that site also. And uh, that's it. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio.